Hi, welcome to the Raven and Thistle Pub. You know, we're always open and always welcoming. Uh, grab a chair or just lean up against the bar or whatever. Yeah, I, I don't know if anybody made a visit to the pub last week, but I missed it. I took a break, so to speak. I'm just so tired these days, you know? I'm tired in just about every way you can be tired. Physically, emotionally, spiritually. It's just so overwhelming. I needed to take a break. Now, I know what's behind my physical tiredness. It's the yard work. We're working to recover a huge set of raised bed gardens at our home. Um, Nature has been winning that battle for the last decade. But this year's different. A renewed effort and motivation to reclaim our garden from the invading hordes of weeds and ivy. We took a ton of weeds to the recycling center. And I'm not just saying this as a metaphor for a lot of weeds. We literally had over 2,000 pounds of weeds stuffed into the back of a big U-Haul truck headed for the county composting center. Jesus, 2,000 pounds of weeds. Of course, that's not the only thing. Multiple trips to the garden center for dozens of bags of dirt and mulch and gravel, etc., etc. Tuning up a badly ignored garden is a major fucking deal, I'm telling you. I think I know the reasons why I'm so emotionally tired as well. Um, uh, It's the insane gun violence, the Chavin trial, the ongoing protests and riots down in Portland. And, you know, I have family and friends there, so that one hits closer to home. I think the emotional and intellectual parts of my brain are battling it out on these situations. On one hand, I can't imagine how anyone with an ounce of sense and a fourth grade education can't see that the gun violence in this country is way, way out of control. I mean, being able to buy a military-style machine gun at the local Walmart, I mean, that's just incomprehensible to my intellectual brain. My emotional brain is just worn out from the, the 148th mass shooting just this year alone. I'm just having trouble wrapping my brain around that. The continuing Derek Travin trial. Now, I'm not really watching the trial itself, but I follow the Daily Post and the drumbeat of, of medical examiner testimony, witnesses recalling the event. Wow. And during this, uh, continuing police shootings. I mean, how did America get to this sad state of affairs? Uh, it, it is a world I'm truly embarrassed to hand over to my grandkids. I sure hope they have the vision and sense to elect leaders that want to really address these issues and not just focus on what gets them reelected. And I'm spiritually tired too, you know. Now, I'm not religious by any stretch of the imagination. I think that organized corporate-style religion has done more harm than actual good. I do find some beliefs and life choices from various religious teachings beneficial and clearly in the best interests of humanity. And I adopt these into my own spirituality. However, you know, lately I find it harder and harder to practice these tenets. Maybe it's the social isolation that, from the pandemic. Maybe it's the global us versus them mentality that seems to be settling in on nations like a nasty fog. Maybe it's the thought that, you know, given the rate of medical advances, my eventual lifespan may actually increase to be closer to 100 to 110. Now, if that is the case, I am just now at the halfway point in my life. Holy shit. I don't know if I could put up with this for several more decades. Uh, that has not been my life plan. Now, I never really subscribed to the live fast, die young, and leave a good-looking corpse way of thinking. I was more of a uh, live an enjoyably long life and die when the time is right kind of guy. I've seen way too many folks li- that lived way past their enjoyable part of life and kept living uh, past their acceptable shelf life, and I do not want that. And maybe that's why I'm a bit spiritually tired. 
you know, I still enjoy life and I'm pretty sure I know what my shelf life expectation is. And as it gets closer, I worry more about the enjoyability factor in life. And maybe we should all give that some more consideration, right? So yeah, I've been tired. Okay, so what? Everyone gets tired now and then and just about everyone bounces back and I guess I will too. They say that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Well, in my experience, uh, what doesn't kill you makes you really, really tired and you need to rest up before the next fucking thing comes around trying to kill you. And why are there so many things out there trying to kill you anyway? Well, I think a nice single malt would be a good step towards resting up, right? Uh, So sit tight and I'll be back with a round for everyone. Okay, I'm back from the bar with a really nice uh, single malt uh, called Glendrodnack. Uh, now, Glendrodnack is a, technically a Speyside, uh, which means, uh, but it's more on the eastern side of Speyside, um, over Aberdeenshire, which is uh, about an hour's drive north of Aberdeen on Scotland's east coast. Now, I really like Glendrodnack, and so do a lot of other whiskey uh, uh, lovers. Uh, because they were one of the first uh, distilleries to uh, use sherry casks to, to finish their, their whiskeys. And the some of the current Glidnodnack uh, versions, uh, they, they will put them in a sherry cask uh, and then re-rack them in a bourbon barrel for a little while. Uh, so they have a couple different styles, and it, it can be a little confusing when you're looking at, at some of the choices. Um, but they're, they're actually getting a little rarer now, so it's harder to find some of them. Now, the, the, the place is cool, too. Um, I mean, they have great whiskey, but just the, the place is cool. Um, it's right in the uh, in, in Aberdeenshire's fertile uh, barley-growing region. Uh, they get their, their water from uh, the, the Drodnak Burn. Um, and, and there's, there's a, the, you know, a unique uh, way that they're, they're heating their stills. You know, a lot of places use steam heat, which makes it real even, uh, even heating. But they've been going with coal-fired direct flame stills. Now, even though steam heats more evenly, the, the flame kind of creates hot spots, which can promote a kind of a caramel, toffee-like maltiness. So that's kind of a unique thing, I think, that Glendronach's doing. Um, the, uh, uh, the, the Nobody, uh, you know, other than, than the fifth Duke of Gordon, um, who was the man that, that started the legislation uh, legalizing uh, distilling in the Highlands in the 1820s, uh, he encouraged the local farmers there in Aberdeenshire to establish this distillery. Uh, and it's been run by several families since then. Uh, it, it's got a great uh, amber color um, uh, on the nose. It's kind of a sweet, raisiny, sherry, um, a little bit of, of oak. The um, uh, And it's and just a rich, smooth, crunchy, toffee, buttery kind of a flavor. Uh, I really enjoy a Glendronach. And uh, even though they're getting harder to find, you know, I, I look for one when I can find it. So if you have a hankering for a, a, a nice sherried, whiskey, uh, grab a Glendrodnack. Um, and in the meantime, um, hang around because I've got a, an uppity woman story that, that I think you'll find very interesting. Be right back. Get stuck with mere bandage rolling and bedpan schlepping? Not bloody likely, said London's Elizabeth Alkin who took on a leadership role in the civil war between the monarchy supporters and the kick the royals out parliamentarian rebels that hotted up England around 1647. 
In her nonstop troop nursing, Liz carted the wounded from the battlefields to an ad hoc facility that she set up in London where she could look after them properly. Uh, this uh, Flo Nightingale prototype even found time for pampering and used her spare moments to mend bullet-ridden clothing and give haircuts. Um, it's it said that, uh, she said, it's so important for a soldier to feel good about himself and his appearance. Although she often dug into her own monies to minister, Elizabeth Adkin was no Red Cross volunteer. She got regular payments, including a brand new house uh, from the grateful higher-ups of the Parliament uh, rebel forces. And when she shouted, you know, send me more candles and hammocks for the troops, they actually listened. As the war wound down, uh, Elizabeth did too. Uh, she wasn't as spry as she'd been on the battlefield. Uh, she put on a few pounds. Uh, still game for a game, though. In her 50s, she became a spy for the winning parliament side that was now running the government. Her assignment? Sniff out any remaining newspapers with subversively royal leanings. To accomplish this mission more effectively, she took on the dirtiest job of all. She became... A journalist. In due course, this multifaceted mole proudly wore like a band-aid of honor, a nickname she'd been given by both sides in the conflict, Parliament Jones. Well, as we enjoy our draw neck, a toast to Parliament Joan, Miss Elizabeth Alkin, nurse, journalist, and respectable uppity woman. So, hey, thanks for coming by. Um, Hope you'll come back. Sancha.